Our Gospel reading today is taken from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 25, reading verses 14 to 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went off and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray again together. Father, we're so grateful that we are permitted to gather at your feet and to hear the teaching of your word. And we ask now that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that he would instruct us in the way of righteousness, that he would open our ears and our hearts to hear the voice of God. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this place, may they be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our only Redeemer, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our passage today is really an extension of a question that Jesus asks at the end of chapter 4. Jesus asks, who then is the faithful and the wise servant? Who is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household? And Jesus now in chapter 25 he sheds light on this concept of uh, faithfulness and of wisdom. In fact, he does this across three parables. At the close of chapter 4, 
Jesus introduces a very brief parable of a wicked and drunken servant. In uh, the opening of chapter 25, Jesus teaches the parable of the ten virgins. And today, uh, in the parable of the talents, Jesus answers this question, who is the faithful and the wise servant? Jesus spends a significant amount of time reinforcing the idea that it is indeed important how we conduct ourselves in his absence. And Advent is all about waiting for the Lord and looking for the Lord. And so this passage today is especially appropriate. And before we look at the parable of the talents today, I want you to notice a repeated idea that occurs across these three parables. And the idea has to do with the duration of Jesus' absence. In all three parables, Jesus implies that his absence will be protracted. In chapter 24, verse 49, the wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed. In chapter 25, verse 5, all of the virgins we read become drowsy and they fall asleep because the bridegroom was delayed. And now in chapter 25, verse 19, we read that the master returns from his journey only after a long time. And in each of these cases across these three parables, we're reminded of the apostle Peter's words that in the last days, scoffers will appear and they will say, where is the promise of his coming? I mean, it's been 2,000 years, after all, and still no appearance. And my brothers and sisters, it could be 2,000 more years. Not that the Lord has forgotten his promise, but rather in mercy and sheer mercy, Jesus wills to give men and women across all ages the opportunity to repent. Not that humanity regards his gracious offer all that much. I was watching with Noah just the other day, a very recent um, documentary on Voyager 1 and 2, and it's incredible. It's a great documentary, and it's really incredible what's been done. I mean, it's 1977 technology. They build two spacecraft that go to Jupiter, and they go to Saturn, and they go to Uranus, and they go to Neptune, and they've even now, they've burst through that bubble of our solar system, and they tell us that they're going something like 10 miles a second through interstellar space. I mean, it's phenomenal. But as I watch this documentary, and as I listen to these scientists glowing about their human achievement, and as they discuss this golden record, that Carl Sagan had uh, overseen, and they, they fixed it to both of these spacecraft containing greetings from Earth, containing pictures from Earth, containing songs of Earth, containing Chuck Berry, uh, sending Chuck Berry out into the universe. As I listen to these scientists exclaiming that Voyager passing out beyond the heliosphere was our ability to touch the eternal. <laughs> As I listened to that, I saw a great metaphor of humanity's refusal to believe, even after all this time, that our salvation can consist in anything other than our strength reaching out, grasping the eternal, rather than eternity itself coming to lay hold of us. 
God waits to be gracious to us. Jesus prolongs his absence for the sole sake of mercy, not wishing that any should perish, but that everyone should reach repentance. Well, if that's the reason for his long absence, then the talents he discusses in chapter 25 should be more clear to us. The talents in the parable are really sums of money. They're resources. They're opportunities. They are the means with which to further the master's enterprise, the master's business. And if the Lord's enterprise is mercy, if the Lord's business is to bring men and women to repentance, to open their hearts to the message of the gospel, even as he opened Lydia's heart to the gospel as she sat by that river in Philippi listening to the apostles' message and God sovereignly opened her heart. If that is the Lord's business, then the talents, the sums, are the opportunities he gives to be about this very thing. He gives us various stations in life, platforms through which the gospel of Jesus Christ can shine. And it's not just formal ministry or missionary service. It's every area of life where God places us, where we have the opportunity to be windows through which the light of Jesus Christ can shine. When I was in Toronto at seminary, freshly uh, married, I began a job at the hardware store at Eglinton and Warden, big, big kind of box hardware store, and I was a window and door salesman, <laughs> of all things. And one of my co-workers was a very large and a very intimidating man. He towered over me, and he was twice my, my width. And uh, when he confided to me that he carried an illegal gun in his trunk, it didn't make matters uh, any easier for me. And when he found out that I was a minister in training, this man became very, very aggressive with me, both physically and, and verbally, uh, demonstrably aggressive. Until one evening when everything changed, and in the course of a conversation, this man's whole countenance softened and he broke down and he admitted to me that his godly mother had been praying for his salvation and I had an opportunity to share the gospel with this intimidating man very freely. And when I finally left that hardware store, when I left it for good, his response was the most tender. And I'm not sure what happened to this man, but the Lord created an opportunity in that place to hear the gospel, and not in a church, but in an aisle with, with windows and storm doors. You see, the talents are the opportunities God gives us to be gospel lights to men and to women so that they may come to repentance and so that they might believe the gospel. And so the talents quite specifically here in this passage, are not our abilities. The talents are not our abilities. We read this in verse 15, if you take a look in front of you. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. The talent is one thing, the ability is another. Now, I need to say a few things about these talents and about these abilities. First of all, our passage today tells us that there are, in God's kingdom, men and women of different abilities. God, in his wisdom and in his providence, allows different abilities to come to different people. 
Some are musical, some are not. Some are academic, some are not. Some are good with their hands, some are not. Some are good at everything, (laughs) most are not. God makes big stars, God makes small stars. God makes noticeable things, God makes unnoticeable things. God makes Spurgeons and Whitfields and Jonathan Edwards And God makes that poor girl down the street who no one knows about, who keeps quietly about her business, nourishing her faith in the Lord. And yet the angels in heaven know her very well. And it's a mistake, therefore, in light of this, to begrudge people for what God has given them. It's a mistake in our life to resent the providence of God. But the devil is surely going to come to many of us and tempt us along these lines. He will tempt us to envy, with poisonous bitterness, the abilities of others, and to be radically discontented with what God has given to us. But you see, God gives us opportunities, talents, in relation to who we are not in relation to who we would rather be. And when the devil traps us in this kind of poisonous and bitter discontent, we miss the opportunities that God desires to grant us. John Owen, the great Puritan uh, theologian, when he heard John Bunyan preach, he said, I gladly give up all of my learning just to preach like that man, just to preach like that tinkerer. But you see, that wasn't Owen's gift. Bunyan was given by God the remarkable ability to preach passionately. Owen could write the death of death and the death of Christ in a way that Bunyan could never dream. And what a shame it would be if Owen determined to be Bunyan and Bunyan determined to be Owen because we would end up with neither of those two men. Godly contentment, my brothers and sisters, with who God has made us to be is the thing that leads to the fruitfulness of his kingdom. If you want to have no fruit, my brothers and sisters, if that's your goal in this life, then just try to be who you're not, and you'll make your way very well. Secondly, the abilities and the talents don't serve or profit ourselves in this parable, They only profit the master. It is his property that he gives out to these servants. He entrusts them as stewards with his property, and the gain of the investment redounds only to the master. It doesn't go to them. And therefore, it makes no sense whatsoever to resent the giftedness of another or the opportunities of another when those gifts and opportunities exist solely and only for the glory and the gain of Jesus Christ. The more our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the more thankful we become at the opportunities of others. The more thankful we become at the gifts of others and the talents of others and the abilities of others because we know that it goes to Jesus and not to them. The less our eyes are fixed on Jesus, 
the less our eyes are fixed on the master, the more embittered we become. The more we wonder why they're up there and not me. (laughs) The more painfully aware we become of those who've received the limelight and not myself. Thirdly, the talent in Matthew's gospel is not proportionate to the reward in our parable today. Whether it's two talents or five talents, the reward is the same because the reward is not for the talent. The reward is not for the measure of the opportunity, but the reward is for the faithfulness. And the reward in both cases is the promise of much. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much in both cases. And this parable in Matthew tells us exactly what this much means. It's verse 21 and verse 23. Enter into the joy of your master. You see, in this parable, the reward is the Lord's own reward. It's his inheritance. It's his treasures. It's the joy that was set before him when he was stumbling with the cross up the hill in the midst of his own sufferings. You've been faithful over a little, he says, but I've been faithful over much. And my father, he has rewarded me with everything. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And now I give my reward to you. Indeed, I give you my own throne to sit upon it. And so Luther and Augustine gather together with a mill worker down the lane who spent his whole life at his lane praying for his neighbors and who gave himself to bring up his family in the fear and in the admonition of the Lord. And because they were all faithful, In their respectful fields, the Lord Jesus Christ gives to each of them the same reward, his own glorious joy, his riches, his throne. What a remarkable thing. And what an encouragement to us just to be faithful where God has placed us, to plod along, to put our head down, no matter what the discouragement, no matter what the obscurity, not to give up, and just to keep on serving Jesus. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will give you much. I will give you my own reward. And finally today, the warning at the end of our passage goes out to all who would be unmindful of the Lord's business and to spend their lives with little or no thought for his kingdom. It's interesting, isn't it, that the man who comes to this punishment, the man who ignores the Lord's business, is the man who has the least amount of ability and therefore the smallest, not the most, the least unimportant, or the least important, but the smallest amount of opportunity. That's the man who shirks the Lord. It's really, um, it's really uh, demonstrative, isn't it, of the temptation that each of us face to treat small responsibilities with little or no care. We compare our duty 
to great duties. We compare the little thing that we're doing with the great thing, and we lose heart. Maybe I'm not meant for these duties, we say. Cooking duty, dead guy duty. Maybe it's time to get a better duty. Well, it's just that history class. It's just that that boring professor. I can skip it. It's just that small, insignificant job and those pesky clients. I can brush that off. I can just ignore it. It's just the kindergarten Sunday school class. I mean, they're just the wee tots. They don't really understand anyways. I can just skip it. I don't need to spend much time on this we say to ourselves, because it's just really small. And you see, we despise the task because at heart we don't have much regard for the master for whom the task is required and to whom the glory redounds when we do it faithfully. This is why the lazy servant in our passage, to excuse himself, do you notice what he does? To excuse himself, the lazy servant, he starts to malign the master. You're a hard man. You're an unreasonable man. When up to this point, all that we've seen is goodness and kindness. He gives them of his own stuff. Take it. Take responsibility. He gives them reward that they don't deserve. And yet this man, with the small task, he despises the master. Brothers and sisters, an eye to the master in the small things is what the lazy servant doesn't understand. And many of us struggle with this too. In the end, this man has a very, very um, difficult ending. Spurgeon says that, you know, if, if uh, you, you read Milton or you read Dante, you think that you have a very vivid description of hell. And he says, no man spoke so somberly or gravely of eternal punishment as our master did. None of us today, if we belong to Jesus, even though that third category may apply to us in some ways, none of us need fear that we are this man. We do not earn our salvation by doing these good deeds for Jesus, but his salvation is by grace. And so I hope today as I close, that we can learn a lesson um, from this parable of the talents and that we can learn, as Jesus says, to be wise and to be faithful in his absence. God grant us, each of us, grace this day. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.